What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcolic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and I'm joined by my regular co-host for these post-game podcasts, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how you doing? I am not great, CW. <laughs> <laughs> this is this would be a good time for you to start drinking. I'm just saying. I know. I know. Just <laughs> it, um, every day gets a little closer to happen. <laughs> Uh, joining us for the post-game podcast, uh, one of our writers, uh, and now at ESPN, the one and only Eric Robinson. Eric, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. <laughs> I had to throw that in, buddy. We're, we're really proud Kevin, of you. Kevin does it every episode. I'm like, all right, man, they get the point. Marks. That's your punishment <laughs> for working at ESPN. We have to brag right. about you. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, what a punishment. Endless <laughs> bragging. Um, all right, we, we do have a game to talk about. Fortunately yeah. or unfortunately, week two, uh, Falcons went on the road to Tampa Bay. They lost 48 to 25. Falcons drop to 0 and 2, bottom of the NFC South. Uh, the Buccaneers are 2 and 0 at the top of the NFC South, along with Carolina. Um, we won't talk about that game, but uh, was a Carolina fan today, of all things. Um, but we're going to focus on the Falcons and what happened today. And uh, Eric, you and I were talking before this started. I, I feel like we have to reset some expectations here because yeah the the eagles game i think put a sour taste in everyone's mouth for for good reason but the buccaneers are considered one of the favorites to go to the super bowl if not the favorite for the nfc um and i and that's because of not just the offensive side of the ball defensively they are stacked as well they've got a ton of talent they've got some of the best linebackers in the league uh, they got some good safeties. Uh, obviously, their defensive front is absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's you know there has to be some perspective put on this before we get into the uh, the specifics of the game. So, you want to speak to that for just a second, Eric? You know, I mean, it's as you pointed out, like they're loaded, top to bottom. Every position has has really good depth. There's, I honestly, I can't find a hole or a weak point on the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can kind of sort of point at the turnovers. And to be honest with you, it could have been a bigger factor for them today because there was two turnovers that the Falcons missed, you know, drop pick by Moreau in the third quarter and mm-hmm. a forced fumble on uh, for net that they didn't hop on. 
And you go back to last week's game, they had four turnovers then too. So if 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 you're monitoring the Bucks, keep an eye on that as the season goes along. Because to me, in two games, that shows like, hey, they have a tendency of putting the ball on the ground and giving it to the other team. Mm-hmm. And it's somewhat alarming. But back to the game on today, um, you know, perspective, you know, it's this was this was a juggernaut that the Falcons were, were facing. This is not the 1990s Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is defending Super Bowl champions. Yeah. And they have arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, this was not going to be an easy game at all. However, as we saw in the first three quarters, a couple breaks here and there, it was a winnable one. Yeah. And we yeah. saw that. Um, and, and they were – you know, after the third quarter or towards the end of the third quarter, I'm sitting here thinking like, hey, they can win this damn game. Just the way that it played out. You know, it was I, – I, I think all of us can agree here. We just want them to compete. Yeah. and Especially against these teams. Especially against teams like this. And if you do that, a couple breaks here and there, the chips may fall in your direction. And, and who knows? But as far as perspective goes, like, yeah, this was – this was not going to be an easy game. It wasn't going to be an easy win if they were going to pull it out. And obviously, as you can tell by the score, they didn't. Um, so, but there was definitely some things taken away from here that they can kind of build on going forward. Yeah. Um, Evan, what do you think about uh, this? I, I, I feel like, again, because it's a division opponent, because we've had so much success against the Bucks in the past, we, we sort of have this desire to beat them no matter what the the two teams look like but uh and and i'm not out here advocate i know some people absolutely hate the idea of moral victories that's not what i'm going for here um but i do feel like this game has to be put in the proper context do you agree do you you still feel like yeah this one sucked and it doesn't matter who they played um no i think it matters uh i think looking at the final score it just got out of hand late and that's where it kind of went downhill right um there for a minute when the falcons got it um, you know, 25 to 28, it's like, I felt good. And I think everybody did. If you look at Twitter at that exact moment, it's like, even if they don't win this game, um, if they keep it this close to me, that's a moral victory. Um, eventually, you know, it getting out of hand to where it's a 25 to 48 loss. Um, it's hard to come away feeling positive about any aspect of that, but there for a minute, like the team was playing good. Um, the play calls were good. And then it just spiraled out of control. Um, and I think what really triggered that was AJ Terrell leaving the game. I uh, noticed a huge difference with him being out, but yeah, it just, you know, those two interceptions um, pick sixes were just killer and it spiraled out of control, but there for a minute, it's like, Hey, they could really win this game or at least keep it close enough to walk away feeling good. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's uh, recap what the Falcons did on offense uh, before we go to what was the abomination on the other side of the ball. Um, Evan, why don't you tell us what the Falcons did offensively on the day? Yeah, so Matt Ryan threw the ball 46 times. 35 of them were caught for exactly 300 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions, two two of which were pick sixes. Uh, His pass rating was 80. And then Cordero Patterson probably was the bright spot. Again, he was in week one. If you had to take something away, Cordero Patterson looked good. 
In week two, he had seven carries for 11 yards, which isn't great, but he scored on one of them. But then also they used him in the passing game where he got six targets. He caught five of them for 58 yards and a touchdown. Um, so that that was something to see. Kyle Pitts, we saw a little bit of five receptions uh, for 73 yards. Calvin Ridley looked good, seven receptions, 63 yards and a touchdown. I mean, the offense definitely improved over – I mean, how could you not um, – I get, you know, from what we saw against the Eagles, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will say on the, on the offensive side of the ball, it was nice to see Kyle Pitts finally get involved. I know, oh my word. I feel like if he's not getting 180 yards a game, fans are sort of disappointed, but five for 73 for a rookie is actually fairly decent. Um, clearly we want to see him get a touchdown. Everyone wants to see that. Uh, and it's, again, this is a 17 game season. There's still a lot to go. I was pleased with the progress he made from week one to week two. Uh, I think this is a, a player that is going to continue to get better. And the, the one thing, uh, and Eric, I want to ask you this, but when, when I saw him catch the ball, his athleticism immediately jumps out when that ball is in his, in his hands, his ability to turn up field and just pick up yards in bunches is just incredibly impressive to me. In fact, I don't think it stood out even this much in college that the way that he is just sort of able to take what looks like a five or eight yard gain and turn it into 20. No, what, what stuck out to him in college was the fact that he's just, he was just a test now magnet, right? You figured in the red zone, you can double him. He's still going to find a way. And you look at a lot of his test downs, they came in aspects like that where he's doubled and he still found a way to make a play. Going back off your point, the second catch of the game, the big one across the middle, the catch was great. The throw was behind him. The catch was great. Look at the acceleration that he put on mm-hmm. after he caught it. He ate up 12 to 15 yards in the blink of an eye. And, you know, maybe a block here and there, he could have housed that thing, to be honest with you. Um, you know, getting him in the open field and, and going back to, to your point you're making about his stat line as well, five of his – you know, he had five – Oh that third downs to extend the drive um the big one was the big one came on a third and seven when they needed it and they were deep in you know in their own territory um so i saw a lot from Pitts today that tells me going forward he's he's going to be an issue yeah when he figures when he honestly figures the game out when he gets used to it when he gets you know accustomed to nfl speed and defenses they're gonna have a. They're gonna have a hard time guarding him, man. They really are. They're gonna have a hard time. <laughs> He's gonna be an issue, um, and and I I like that he was incorporated a little bit more this week. Um, you definitely have to build on it. Um, and you and I talked before the show. I, we also like the way that Cordero Patterson was used this week, and I yep. think that's how you need to use Patterson going forward because yep. Tampa had a Tampa had a hard time picking him up, and 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 again. It's how you use him pre-snap, how you disguise him. Yeah, you see Ridley, you see Pitts, you see other guys, but the fact that Patterson is out there and he's leaking out of the backfield and making those catches and making those plays, like to me, that is something that's going to be, you know, very important for their offense. Yeah. And uh Evan, I know we've talked about this before, no no moral victories, but second third quarter Falcons did not score a point in the first quarter, um, but they scored 10 in the second quarter, 15 in the third quarter. 
Um, obviously, one of those was the two-point conversion that Matt Ryan ran in. By the way, what's that? Fifteen unanswered. Yeah, fifteen unanswered. Yeah, they really. Uh, that's when they brought it into 28-25, I think, at that point, mm-hmm. um, going into the fourth quarter. Um, but to me, one of the things that stood out was, uh, you know, not only were they uh, getting, you know, effective runs, not not fantastic. You know, I think Mike Davis is a little bit um, hated on uh, by myself, including today on Twitter, but he, he averaged 4.2 per carry. Um, but at times they were giving Ryan enough time in the pocket to, to – attempt some, you know, passes that were further than five yards. <laughs> uh, and that I think was, was helping uh, in those second and third quarters. Uh, what stood out to you on offense as well? Cause I, I, again, you know, 25 points. I feel like we need to acknowledge that, especially with what they did last week uh, with just the six points. And again, one of the top defenses in the league. Uh, and I, you know what, I want to reemphasize this because the NFL schedule makers, I think absolutely hate the Falcons um, the Bucks had three extra days of rest coming into this game as well because their first game was on a Thursday night. Uh, so not only did Atlanta have to go on the road, they get to go on the road and face a team that's playing at home that had uh, 10 days of rest as opposed to seven, uh, which is – Giants will be. Yeah, and the Giants will be in the same boat um, uh, by the time we play them. So thanks a lot, yeah. NFL. Um, <laughs> but what, what's, what are some of your takeaways from the offensive side of the ball, Evan? I mean, aside from what we've already talked about, I think the biggest thing was seeing the offense spread the ball a lot more. Um, there was 10 different players who had a catch and 12 that had a Great target. Yep. So they were definitely trying to get literally everyone who was able to catch a pass uh, involved. Um, seeing more of Ridley, I mean, I think that was the biggest thing. He had 10 targets, uh, caught seven of them. But last week against the Eagles, it's like I think it was the first drive where we saw him go go to him three times, and it it was like okay, so this is where the offense is going through, and then he just kind of disappeared the rest of the game. Yeah. Ridley was like a pretty good factor in this game, um, and we need to remember he's wide receiver one, and you know I th- I, I want to see obviously more Ridley, but he had a good game. I mean, seven reception, sixty three yards, a touchdown. That's pretty solid. Um, he had that one catch in the end zone. Um, I like what Eric was saying about Kyle Pitts, and hopefully they do build on this because um, he did look good in you know the limited action we did see today. Um, like seeing some Zacchaeus, Russell Gage, that's still – I don't know what was going on, if it was cramping or what. He left with an ankle injury and came back and then ended up back on the ground, um, which might have been cramping or might have been the ankle. I have no idea, but he was involved in that, in that first um, – Maybe it was the second one. I think it was the first interception uh, pick six. So maybe he's not injured after all. But yeah, I mean, aside from that, uh, offense had a solid day. It's just you're never going to win when, the, when you, you know, the other team's scoring 48 points. It's just. Right. And just so we don't completely dump all of that on the defense, you know, 48 sounds like a lot, but. Oh, yeah. There were two pick sixes. Yeah. So for... <laughs> that's definitely not the uh, defense. They missed the extra point, didn't they? They did. Yeah. And yeah, you take that away. It's a 10 point game. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing I want to point out as well is uh, special teams did not help our defense at all. Um, and I think, oh, I know, well, let me ask you guys, Cam- Cameron Nizelak, is he unemployed come tomorrow? I don't know about that. Cause we're not really like, I think you really don't do it with any other person. 
So like, I probably wouldn't rush that quick, but he, I would, I'd be shocked if they don't have any punters in for workouts. Yeah. Um, because I think Maggio wasn't he waived on injured or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, I expect them to at least bring in a punter to work out or something, even if it's just to put on the practice squad. And it was, it was the, the punt, the punting element that hurt him. Yeah. You know, Avery Williams was fine. You know, he, he had that bigger turn after, you know, halftime that got called back, but he looked okay. He honestly, I like what I saw from him because it adds a different wrinkle on special teams. Like now you have to worry about Patterson and possibly this kid that can house it at any, any given time as well. So. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's, uh, that's exactly what I was referring to the, the two punts in particular that I don't even think they got 30 yards on the punts and, and it put the, you know, yeah. the bucks don't need any help. Um, <laughs> their offense does not need any help. Right. So our special teams setting them up on the wrong side of the 50 twice is very problematic for our defense and, you know, a little bit frustrating. Uh, but before we get into the defense, um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker, joined by my co-host Evan Birchfield and our friend, fellow writer, ESPN extraordinaire, uh, <laughs> Eric Robinson. <laughs> um, I am fumbling the podcast today, guys. I apologize. Um, but we talked about the offense and what they did. And I want to talk about the defense because – we all have major complaints with this defense, but again, Tampa Bay, one of the top offenses in the league. Uh, if you look at their stretch going back to last season and then through the playoffs into, you know, last week and this week, they have been averaging, I think, 37 points per game, which would be an NFL record. So it's, you know, it's not just the Falcons. Okay. This is a team that has been dominating uh, on offense, virtually anybody they've played over the last uh, 12 to 16 games. Um, so again, keep that in mind. I think that is something to be mindful of. And, you know, going into the fourth quarter, the Falcons had quote unquote held them to 28 points, which I, you know, I, I feel like it's sort of ridiculous to say you held a team to 28 points, but for the Falcons, that feels like uh, a, a minor accomplishment for you know, against the Tampa Bay. And they did, they got some third down stops. They got some key sacks. Uh, they got some key battleways, uh, you know, by our defense. It was not a pretty game by the defense, but there were some pieces here and there. Eric, was there anything you saw defensively that maybe gave, gave you a little bit of hope that when they're not facing a juggernaut, that what Dean Pease is doing may work on a lesser quarterback. That's not the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, you know, what? one thing that I saw today that I also saw last week in the season opener, a hot Tom Brady doesn't necessarily put the game away for Tampa. Hmm. 
and that your defense is still – if your defense is still able to bottle up the run a little bit, make a couple stops, you're still in the game. Because, you again, you look at that. Brady threw for 379 and four touchdowns last week. Yet it was – the defense created four turnovers, and it was a one-possession game late. Mm-hmm. This week, Brady threw for over 300 yards, five touchdowns. However, it was a three-point game late in the, late in the third quarter. One thing that I saw this week from this defense is um, the the defense, when it comes to the blitzing, man, if they don't get home, you can you can cancel Christmas, man. You can cancel. <laughs> I, I don't – what I don't like that I saw from them this week is the fact that, you know, when it comes to blitzing, like I said, if they don't get home, it's going to be a problem. And again, this week showed they don't really have a ton of difference makers on the defensive side of the ball, kind of like what Tampa has. Shaq Barrett is a difference maker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Evan. Look, Vontae the- David. They don't have game players. No. Um, Eric, what more do you want from Dante Fowler? <laughs> <laughs> he finally gets a set. <laughs> Yeah, but I didn't see anything from him for the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, that's yeah. it. Like it's just I, I this defense, it can work, and I and I got a couple of those uh, those questions on Twitter. It can work, but you got to have the players to execute this p- particular scheme, and they don't. And mm-hmm. because of that, you have guys like Stephen Means in coverage against Gronk. You have guys like and and I love. When it comes to them crashing downhill, Deion Jones and Ola Oaken, I love what they do. But Ola Oaken gets lost in coverage a lot. A lot. And he's late, especially on play action passes, he's late. So if I'm going to take any type of positives from the defense this week, Aiken, I, I saw that if they're willing to they're, – they're, they're able to make a couple plays here and there. They're not going to be a shutdown defense. You can forget about that. Um, but they're able to make a couple plays and keep the keep the offense in the game. That's what we saw in week one, and that's what we saw here in week two. Yeah. Um, Evan, any standouts on defense for you? Uh, anything from a stat standpoint that you want to point out? Um, I mean, there's not like a whole lot more I can add that Eric didn't say. I, I guess I can highlight the three sacks. Um, as I mentioned, Dante Fowler had one on Brady. Uh Deion Jones had one and Marlon Davidson had one. Um, But I overall agree with what Eric's saying. Like this is the kind of defense where like, they're never going to be the reason you win, but they can be the reason you don't lose um, if the offense is rolling. And, you know, the offense did at times, I mean, they were in the game, you know, when you're, when you're at uh, the uh, defending Super Bowl champion, uh, stadium and you're, you know, losing 25 to 28, like you're in that game. Um, and then the pick sixes happen, which has nothing to do with the defense. So, and then it spirals out of control and then Brady wakes up and remembers like he's Tom Brady and it's over in a flash. But yeah, I mean, overall, I thought the defense was okay. Um, didn't go, you know, didn't do anything amazing, but also, um, I'm definitely not putting the blame on them for this loss. Uh, I think it's just a team effort um, there. As Eric was highlighting, like there's really no like um, 
guess studs who are just pass rushers on this defense, which we all know, it's just like a bunch of guys who on other teams on really good defenses probably would be like backups and stuff. Um, but you know, outside of Grady Jarrett and, you know, Deion Jones probably, but yeah, I mean, there's not much more to add to this defense. Yeah. Um, oh, the one thing though, uh, uh, Terrell, you know, it's like, I noticed the secondary it's like, obviously, cause he's, you know, the best corner we have, but the second Terrell left with a uh, concussion, it just seemed totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really great point. Um, and to his credit, uh, Terrell had two really, really impressive pass breakups. Unfortunately, <laughs> the, the second one ended up uh, apparently giving him a concussion um, uh, as he laid out for the ball and, and hopefully he'll make it back for the next game. But I, I felt like, all things considered, Terrell's probably the standout from this game for his defensive play. That's um, why. That's why they take those. today. That's why wingspan is is something that that shows up at the NFL Combine. Yeah, <laughs> a normal corner wouldn't have been able to make that play. A normal corner with decent length wouldn't have been able to make those plays. But because of who he is and how long he is. He made two great plays today, and, and I think he was the standout on defense. Yeah, and one of those uh, probably saved a touchdown uh, as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, so well, I, I actually, I, both of them did. Yeah, uh, actually, I think you're right because even the second one, that one would have been, I think, to Antonio Brown, and yeah. he had yeah. no one behind him. So, yeah, hundred yeah. uh, percent. So. Really, I, I think if you're looking for some individual players that stood out, you know, you look at guys like AJ Terrell and you think, okay, uh, young player, second year, really beginning to show plays like that. They're making a difference. They're literally uh, keeping the other team from scoring, which is, you know, what you want from your corner in those situations. Yeah. You look at a, you know, Cordero Patterson and how they're using him as a weapon. Uh, some of the stuff from Kyle Pitts. There are reasons, I think, for fans to look at some of the talent here and say, okay, there's something to build with here. There are young players. Uh, obviously, Patterson doesn't fit that billing, but you, you get what I'm saying. There are young players here right now with which the, the future of this franchise has some good pieces in place. Um, and, you know, it, right now, like, I think it depends on what you came into this season expecting. Mm-hmm. If you came in expecting the Falcons to make it to the playoffs, you're probably feeling really crappy about this team. <laughs> uh, if you came into this season sort of where I was at thinking, okay, they can, they're probably going to have some rough goings early on. Uh, and I thought this game was always going to be a, a rough game for them. Right. Um, they're going to have some growing pains, especially in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to make the playoffs, but maybe they can be around 500. Mm-hmm. Then, this start, this 0-2 start is not the end of the world, and right. there are reasons to think that there are pieces here for the long term as well. I, I'm, I'm interested. I want to know you, your, you two, uh, I want to know your outlook on this. What did you guys see or what did you take away from Arthur Smith's play calling this week? Evan, I'll let you go first. Well, early it's like the – I think the most notable thing was that um, fourth and one decision. It wasn't actually the play call, but it was a decision – where, you know, you're going against Tom Brady, like you got to remember who you're playing against. If it was any other team, it probably is not a big deal, but you have to take what you can get. And it was fourth and one, and they basically lined up, I think, to do like a fake punt, but it was more of just to try and draw them off sides, which didn't work. And they, I think, took a flag 
or uh, um, yeah. delay a game and ended up punting. And to me, it was just kind of like, go for it. Like, right. like why not? Um, and then it's like he, I don't, and obviously we don't know, we can't read his mind, but then they get in a similar situation where it's the same exact um, situation. They go for it, but I believe it was Matt Ryan doing like a quarterback sneak, which it, quarterback sneaks aren't great when your offensive line is not as, or is a lot weaker than the opposing defensive line. Um, <laughs> and it went according to plan. Um, I would have <laughs> liked to see something a little like, if, I mean, it's all hindsight. Like if he got the first down, it's pro- like nobody's complaining. Right. But I mean, it just seems so like, like if you would have asked me what they were going to do, I would have probably said, yeah, they're probably going to have Matt Ryan just like sneak it. I think you saw Even it. though it's not a great idea, but. Yeah. I think you saw his youth there as a coach. I think it's. Yeah. Most too. Did yeah. What do you think about his play call? You know, um, I agree about the fourth downs. But one thing stands out to me, the, um, the touchdown to Ridley in the end zone mm-hmm. was uh, a very simple rub route. It was a pick uh, by Gage to free up Ridley. Mm-hmm. But those are the, the simple things that are the clean things that you can do. But the other thing is that it's one of the things we saw in Tennessee that he was highly successful with when they had one of the best red zone offenses in the league. They scored a lot of touchdowns. And that play was a perfect example of that. And, um, you know, I I think he is, I think he's beginning to figure out how to use his weapons as you and I talked about Eric, the way that he used Patterson, um, I think shows that, uh, Arthur Smith is, he's getting a feel for what these guys do well and what they don't do well. And he's beginning to use them a little bit more appropriately. Now, should he have spent more time figuring this out in the preseason? Maybe. But the other thing is, you know, even within the preseason, those guys aren't at full speed. So you don't have a true feel for how good they are mm-hmm. until you get to the regular season and you see them at full speed. Um, so I thought the play calling improved. I thought there were plays that he left on the field. I thought there were plays where he could have done better. But in some some of those key situations in the second and third quarter, I felt like he was hitting his stride. And my hope is that he's going to take that to the Giants game and he's going to do more of that. We're going to see more of um, you know, what he did with Kyle Pitts in this game, what he did with Patterson, um, right. what he did in the red zone. Um, because I do think, you know, I still believe that Arthur Smith is going to be a very good coach. It's right. been a very rough start, but I, I feel like there was an improvement there and recognition, better recognition of the talent he has. I, I think you, I think it was the first scoring drive. And a few drives in the second half, you saw Tennessee Arthur Smith, and yeah, he was. And, and if, if you go back to their days in Tennessee, they were not a team that's going to beat you deep. I mean, they were they were kind of picky as far as when they're going to attack you deep. Yeah, but they were just you. It will force you as a defense to draw you in, and boom, that's in the fourth quarter. That's when they hit you deep. I, I saw a little bit of that, especially on that first scoring drive. He. The one thing that stood out about me was the fact that Tampa was not going to let you bomb at 30 yards. Right. That's fine. Work your intermediate. Zero to 10, work it. 15 play drives, who gives a shit? Let's just be honest. (laughs) If that's what they're giving you, if that's what they're giving you, take it. 
Um, and and he he saw he he saw that a little bit, and he kind of acted upon that a little bit in the second half. And you made a great point, DW. And I think he's slowly starting to see like, okay, Cordero does this very well. Kyle does this against this particular coverage in this formation. Calvin does this with this particular route. I think he's starting to see that a little bit. And the casual fan is going to say, well, yeah, he should have started in the preseason. However, as you mentioned, that probably would have forced him to change up his preseason game plan. Because if you look at the preseason games, he was calling vanilla shit. Like that, yeah. that, he was and not everyone does. Him. Everyone calls everyone vanilla. Everyone does. So it, because of that aspect, it forced him to not show his hand and not be able to show what they're capable of doing. Um, but again, they're still trying to find an identity. And I know it, it sounds a little weird, but I, today helped. Today helped at least establish, like, okay, offensively, this is what we can do well. Um, so definitely the offensive line looked a little better this week. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Matt was only sacked once. But uh, pressured quite frequently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we're not going to dodge that. Like, it's Tampa Bay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not, he was sacked only once. He, he didn't have a whole lot of time, but – he had enough time for Matt to be able to throw for 300 yards and yes. make plays in the passing game, which, which they did. So they can yeah. do it off this. I, I, I agree with you. Though. I don't like moral victories, man. That's, that sounds weak. But. Yeah. No, I, we're not going to walk away, you know, with, with uh, uh, cheerleader pom-poms if, and Just a question for both of you. I mean, and it's pr- probably more obvious, but not that it's a moral victory, but if the score would have just – you know, when it was 25-28, if they would have just ended there, like Brady got the ball back and they just killed the clock and it ended, you probably feel a lot better, right? Like they, because they showed a lot of fight there and then it sure. spiraled out of control. I would have, I honestly, I would have, I would have felt like they can beat Tampa. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's how I felt in that moment. I was like, right. And, I don't and, know if it's a Tampa problem or we just woke up, but something's happening. And then I, that's when it. I don't know. If, and I don't know if DW saw this. I, I think is slowly becoming because you know every team every team wins a Super Bowl and they come in the next year. Of course, the target is bigger on their back and teams yep. are going to win a form. I that's something that I saw the past two games. Like yes, they're good, and Brady is already off to an MVP start, but they can be beat. Yeah, going to take a couple plays here and there and a couple breaks, but they can. Be, they, they're not. I haven't seen them honestly do what some defending Super Bowl champions do and just completely obliterate the competition before them. Like, hey, this guy, this team is not in our league. Let's, we're going to 41 and nine. Let's just get them out the way. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So. And let's talk about the advantage the Bucks have as well coming in. They, I'll, they I'll returned. The greatest quarterback of all time. Right. Well, there's that. <laughs> Back-to-back uh, home games in the humidity. Yeah, yeah right. well, <laughs> uh, those are both very good points. But what I was actually going to was they, they're one of the few teams in the NFL that returned every single starter yep. um, from last year, and they returned their entire coaching staff. So yep. they came into this season with every single starter, so guys that knew what they were doing on offense, including that offensive line, uh, guys on defense knew what they were doing, and then they just added additional pieces on top of that, which is ridiculous. But right. They, you know, the Falcons, by contrast, 
Uh, and again, I'm, please don't take this as me making an excuse for the Falcons, but it does bear repeating. The Falcons came in to this game with only one game under their belt with this coaching staff with three new, or I'm sorry, two new starters in the middle of the offensive line, um, several new guys uh, on both sides of the ball, especially on defense. Um, so from that standpoint, the Falcons are a team that have very little continuity from last year coming into this season. Two new schemes, two new schemes that has no yeah. identity right now. Yep. And yet it was still a three-point game late in third. Yeah. So, again, it, it, it sounds like we're saying moral victory, but I'm, I'm – this is context. I mean, come um, on, we got to take some type of positive away. Like, right. <laughs> like fans want us to do just get on here and say, man, they suck. They yeah. Suck. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I was actually, right now. Yeah, they suck I was right impressed now. with the conditioning overall because, like, I mentioned the humidity, but it's a legit, like, problem. Uh, there's oh, a yeah. reason why the Buccaneers wore all white and the Falcons had to wear uh, black jersey like I- i'm pretty sure they didn't wear the white pants to look cool the falcons i'm pretty sure it was to have less you know, black on because you know, it's so hot sunday nfl countdown pointed that out before the game oh okay for the bills and the dolphins yeah and a lot of them felt like that was going to be carolina did it too a yeah. lot of them felt like it was going to be a hindrance against the bills and they go out and win 35 to nothing so, yeah, so, but like, the bills are different. <laughs> right. The talent level, of course. Yeah, I get it. It's the humidity was there, and it's it's honestly, you know, a team. I look at a team like Atlanta, like that is something that they can be able to manage a little bit better because I mean they have they live in Atlanta. They don't live. I mean, they're not that far from Tampa. They have veterans who played in Tampa before, over and over again. So I mean it. I, 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 oh no, I wasn't criticized. I was saying I, I thought the conditioning was good. No, no, it considering. was considering yeah, because I mean, you see, like the Jacksonville Jaguars, for example, used to wear black as their home jerseys. They've switched this year to teal because of it. Yeah. It's so funny, but the it Dolphins is, they always look for every white. edge. And <laughs> teams absolutely look for every edge, including this. It's such a great point. Um, and right. that and that point right there is why Evan is so valuable because honestly, I never really noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I can bring something. <laughs> <laughs> you bring something every week. <laughs> All right. Um, one last time around the horn. Any final thoughts as the Falcons go into Week Three, zero and two? Um, Eric, what are your final thoughts as they get ready to face a well-rested New York Giants team in New York? This game was not Matt Ryan's fault. That's, that's my one and only takeaway. This game was not Matt Ryan's fault. I don't want to. I'm, I'm going to get lots of angry tweets when this one goes out after they listen to it. That, Good luck with that one. Um, <laughs> one going into next week, I guess the only thing I can I can put out there is it build on the positives. And B, I think we pretty much nailed down most of the positives from this week. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's the Tampa Bay Bucks, and they held their own for three quarters. So it's it's something to build on. Yeah, Evan, your closing thoughts on this game? Um, uh, I mean, I don't I don't have much more to add. Um, just you know, be happy. Football's back. Like it's just a game, you know. <laughs> but uh maybe they'll do better against the Giants. I mean the Giants have injury problems. Um I mean it's the Giants. If they come out and like struggle against the Giants, I'm gonna be a little worried. Um but like 
after the effort I saw put in today against Tampa Bay Buccaneers at, in, in Tampa, I expect that to be a game where the Falcons actually win or look like they should win. Yeah. I will say that. Yep. Um, I, I think just limit my... your, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, just limit your expectations. I mean, if you haven't yes. already, Man. um, just look for certain positives. I mean, like I know we're zero and two, and that's you know in a sixteen game season, that's not good for playoffs. And I don't know what it means in a seventeen game season, but maybe just like, just I don't know. Like, don't think of it as oh, I hope they still make the playoffs. Like, let's just see them win something, and like you know, certain players step up that haven't been, and certain players like Kyle Pitts continue to grow. Yeah, and see what happens. I mean, it's a first year head coach. Like they weren't probably winning the Super Bowl anyways. That's like <laughs> probably never happened. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I, that last point I think is you know is the key here. Um, we we have to keep these games in perspective. Um, the this is a new coaching staff, and they you know what they made tons of bad choices over the past couple games. Um, what you want to see is, uh, do they improve on them? Do they continue to make bad choices or do they start getting better? What I saw from week one, to week two was a team that uh, started to make better choices with their personnel. And, and it showed they started scoring points. They started scoring points in bunches in the, the second and third quarter. They started looking competent. And, and at one point they were taking it to the defending world champions. And uh, again, no moral victories, but what we're looking for is progress. And as bad as the score was, as bad as the game ended, and as fluky as many of those crazy pick sixes were, and they were fluky, I don't expect that to happen every week. Um, the Falcons showed progress from week one to week two, especially with some key young guys. And hopefully, if they can keep this going, we'll see a victory next week. But they have to earn it. They're going to go on the road, face another well-rested opponent. And of course, we will be back here on the podcast to talk about it after it happens. Um, so, Eric, remind our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Words and Beer. <laughs> don't you do that to that man. <laughs> no, I love Dave. Dave, please don't fire me, man. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Uh, this week, I would definitely be having a couple columns coming out one was the five things that we learned and of course towards the end of the week so be on the lookout just check out Falcon Excited as a whole man we have everything you need why do you need to go anywhere else yeah, that's exactly right you don't need to we have everything you need right here 100% um, alright Evan remind our listeners where they can find you what, ha- what you have going on uh, you can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield and yeah, like Eric said, go to Uh Follow the Falcolic on Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram, the underscore Falcolic. Uh, follow everybody who writes at the Falcolic on Twitter. Um, and yeah, just, you know, we're here all, all season. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as for me, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at DW. Updates for this podcast uh, at Falcoholic Pod and of course our articles daily at falcoholic.com. 
So for Eric Robinson and, and Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker fumbling everything I've done on the podcast today. I'll be much better. I'll be in mid-season form soon, guys. I apologize. Uh, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.